Hi, I'm Tom Wren. Hi, I'm Emily Stenigan. Hi, this is Jake Parkinson. Hi, this is Holly Evans. I'm Ben Hook, and in conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. Welcome to episode nine of Hooked on Sport. And if you think we can't do any better than Bruce McAvenny as a guest, well, today you're going to hear from two tremendously talented young women who will give it a shake. Both are making their mark in an unusual field of men's sport. Mary Waldron and Eloise Sheridan are cricket umpires in Australia and together are showing tremendous promise at senior level, despite incredibly diverse backgrounds. Mary is a dual Irish international athlete, having represented her country in football, and is still a key member of the Irish cricket team. She combines playing her sport with umpiring it. As a wicketkeeper, batter, and umpire, she is a true all-rounder. Eloise is a teacher in South Australia whose rise up the umpiring ranks has taken the game in Adelaide by storm. In the recently completed 2019-20 season, she was named Saka Premier Cricket Umpire of the Year. They're super talented, they're great mates, and they join me next. Hi, this is Nick Winter from the West End Redbacks. You're listening to Hooked On Sport. Eloise Sheridan, Mary Waldron, welcome to Hooked On Sport. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Mary, we talk about hashtag stay at home. You basically can't go home. Just describe how you've had to deal with uh, everything that has been we've been confronted by over the last uh, month or so. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've done. I've, I've stayed away from home. Um, so when Ireland went into lockdown much much sooner than we did here, and I, I was still working actually, and Ireland was still in, in, full, in full lockdown. So I decided to stay here. And my visa, thankfully, is going for long enough that I've no visa implications to stay here, which is great. Um, but in terms of my going home, I would have, like my parents are quite elderly, so obviously you, you don't want to affect them, you don't want to bring it into the country by travelling technically unnecessarily and stuff like that, so I just made the decision to stay here and um, obviously being very far away, it's 16,000 kilometres, I've checked a few times away from my family, I miss them and my little dog and stuff, but I feel like the cases here in South Australia have been brilliant um, and obviously it's very sad for the families, there's four people dead but if you're looking across the world it, we've done phenomenally well here so I'm, I feel pretty safe and secure to be here and very fortunate that I've been able to stay You've been a bit of a country hopper anyway, Mary are you missing home at the moment? Um, do you know, I actually, it's funny because um, Eloise can empathise with me because she's got two beautiful doggies who I cuddle every now and again but I, I know it's um, weird but I miss my dog because I can't talk to her through my phone she doesn't recognize me it's very depressing <laughs> but at least, like I, I FaceTime my my family and my parents every other day because obviously we've plenty of time and they've plenty of time um but we, we had a tour to Thailand cancelled um so I should just be arriving I was due to arrive home just after Easter so I'm just yeah it's just starting to miss people now but I kind of you know I think it's probably as someone who's played cricket and semi-retired. I think you're still you're still chucking a few balls, are you? And um, you miss you miss that team banter and you miss your teammates rather than you know the game itself and stuff like that. So at the moment, it's not too bad because I, I just checked my diary there and I played my last game of cricket um, just over a month ago. So I mean, if I if I was still living at home, that'd be about eight months. So I don't think I've done it too hard to be honest. <laughs> Eloise, has your world changed at all? Uh, it has, definitely. So I'm a teacher, um, so currently kind of on holidays, um, but spending a lot of my time putting my work online at the moment. 
um, and yeah, knowing that my students will be staying home for the first couple of weeks. So that does change things, definitely. Where do you teach, Eloise? I'm at Loretta College in Maryville. Right. Oh, very good. So uh, was there any changes to your umpiring schedule uh, over the um, course? I mean, I know it's winter, so cricket's in a bit of a yeah. hiatus, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing being played. Yeah, so obviously we missed out on Premier Cricket Finals here, so that was pretty disappointing um, getting to that pointy end of the season. Um, and then you know, there might have been some stuff coming up, but um, that's obviously been postponed now. So, yeah, it has changed things, definitely. Do, do umpires get excited for finals like players do? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's something that we all look forward to. So, um, yeah, definitely get excited when you do get appointed to a final. Um, and, yeah, as you mentioned, it's something to look forward to. What about uh, for both of you who are umpiring here in South Australia, playing cricket for young women has grown exponentially in the last five or six years. Uh, are you finding that that's the case with umpiring as well? And are there still challenges for young women to get into the top levels of, of cricket, both at women and men's level? Mary? Um, yeah, definitely. I was just, as, as you said that in the young girl, me and Eloise, actually, we, we travelled to Melbourne together to go to the Women's World Cup final, which was just unbelievable. And walking walking around the MCG, having to force your way through crowds and queues to get in was just, it was it was so amazing. And it was just such a real proud moment as a sportswoman um, that that was all those people were going to watch women play sports. So I can't, I was inspired. As a 35-year-old, so I can only imagine what the the little kids, boys and girls, and um, queuing to get in there felt. So, but definitely, as you mentioned, there is, you know, there is still some difficulties. I think certainly with officiating at, at, in any sport, there's always a little bit of a stigma, um, and certainly females. And to get to the top level here, you're going to have to umpire um, male cricket at the minute, um, and and there is a little bit of stigma. I mean, I think fair play to Eloise. The top player in the league this year, which is a phenomenal feat. Um, when really, you know, there's whatever, couple of hundred umpires, and there's three women, and and she came out on top, and I think that's you know real credit to her, and um, and how she's gone about her umpire in the last few years and really paved the way for us all. But there's you know there's always kind of, as as any other walk of life as well, not just officiating. It's always going to be that little bit more difficult to um, to be a female in in any line. Eloise, do you feel like the the path that you've trodden is going to be uh, a little bit smoother for the next generation of women who want to get into cricket umpiring? I'd love to think that it would be. Um, I think there's been others that have come before myself and before Mary as well um, that have helped us in our journey as well. You know, you think of, of Claire Polisak and Jackie Williams and, mm-hmm. and all of those. Um, and as Mary mentioned, we went to the final and, and it was the first time that a female uh, in Kim Cotton got to uh, officiate a World Cup final, which is a huge achievement. Um, and it really does sort of break down those barriers a little bit further for female officiating, um, you know, moving forward. So you would describe each other as uh, very good, very close friends. Is that true? Oh, yeah, pretty close. Eloise, <laughs> yeah. have you ever had to umpire Mary? I have, actually. So Tell um, us about that experience. <laughs> I went over to the, to the World Cup qualifiers in Scotland in uh, September last year. Uh, and I did have to umpire Ireland a couple of times. So <laughs> um, I, was, I was on my best behaviour, don't mind anything she says. Uh, Look, she was in my game, so I've definitely heard stories. <laughs> was there uh, any close LBW decisions where uh, Mary got the benefit of the doubt? You had to turn to the bowler and say, ah, look, she's a good mate back home. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> couldn't give – even though it was hitting middle and off and leg, I had to give it not out. 
I think I was I was fairly lucky that any close LBW decisions weren't at my end. <laughs> I was I was very lucky not to have to make those decisions. Uh, Mary, you were talking about that World Cup final. You should have been playing in that T Twenty World oh, Cup competition, yeah. should you not? Do you want to relive that experience? Um, I don't. I relive it every evening in my nightmares. To be honest, it's it's something that's going to take a long time to get over. Um, however, having watched the World Cup um, here, it was was brilliant, and it was great to see um, Thailand get that exposure. And you know, they they worked terribly hard. And they deserve their chance. So, you know, it's obviously disappointing for us, but there was a, an opportunity for another set of 15 women to get world, world exposure. And I think that'll change cricket for there and ultimately help the game, game globally. But um, yeah, no, I don't really want to relive it, actually. I, 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 got it. I, got, I, I nicked behind and I should have gone on to win the game, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Uh, yeah. And those those dear they they did add a little bit to the competition. Thailand though, you did do you did do international cricket some sort of good by giving them an opportunity. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> I'm sure you don't feel like that. I'm talking <laughs> to Mary they're... Mary Waldron and Eloise Sheridan, who are both uh, South Australian cricket umpires here. Mary, if you probably have picked up, is also uh, still a player with uh, the wicketkeeper batter with the Irish international team. Mary, what do you regard yourself as these days? A cricketer who umpires or an umpire who still plays? Well, it definitely depends on which hemisphere I'm in. Um, <laughs> I reckon when I'm when I'm here, I'm more of an umpire, um, and when I'm at home, I'm more of a player. Um, it's just it's just the way and the way my visa works as well, and the opportunity I get here to umpire in South Australia I'm on the state panel, and I get exposure here on the by that I work with Cricket Australia and stuff. So that being in that pathway is brilliant. At home, I'm obviously on the on the pathway, but I'm more obligation to play in more games like like here if I have a club game or a WBBL to umpire in I'll umpire the WBBL and miss the club game where at home my my cricket comes first and the umpire comes second um, but yes I mean look, it's a very fortunate position to be in and I'm, I'm certainly in the circumstance we're in now I'm a lucky person gets to umpire pretty much 12 months a year so you know I haven't had a break in well, this is my sixth year coming out to Oz so I think I'm very, very fortunate, actually. So there's lots of people out there dying to get back out in the cricket pitch. So I'm, I'm very lucky. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. The present situation can increase our anxiety, which is completely normal and understandable. To try and reduce some of this anxiety by practicing our breathing or deep muscle relaxation techniques, maybe some mindfulness or even dancing, singing, or maybe even yoga. And now back to the show. Uh, I'm interested in the uh, umpiring community here in South Australia. I think, Eloise, you mentioned that uh, there's only two or three women involved in cricket umpiring out of a, a, a crew of around about 100 who are involved on a regular basis. What's the community like? And uh, obviously for both you and Mary, you've got so many other things in your lives, but I imagine that there's a, a group of umpires who really live for their cricket umpiring each and every year. And I wonder how are those people staying in contact, even though we've moved on now, we're at the end of the season. Is uh, Just describe a little bit about what the community's like. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a really strong umpire community here in South Australia, and we're really fortunate to be part of it. Um, I think they've been really supportive of female umpires coming through, um, particularly you know our fellow Panel One umpires. Um, so we've got a really close knit group. Um, in terms of keeping in contact, we're still you know we've got our little messenger group. Um, but as you mentioned, it is end of season, so we're kind of I think still in that 
end of season mindset um, and it might not be until you know a couple of months time that we start realizing that maybe cricket won't be starting on time so trying to figure out other ways to keep in contact will be really important. Uh, Eloise do you have a, a winter sport involvement? Uh, I don't um, I yeah used to play AFL but uh, too many concussions have made me stop playing that <laughs> um, so I definitely just focusing on cricket at the moment. Uh, Mary I imagine the Irish team and women's cricket means that you would have had some fairly amazing travel experiences over your time. Is there any that sort of stand out in your mind? Well, um, I think, yeah, um, I've played in a World Cup in India. I think that's just like that sentence alone is pretty cool to say. Um, that was amazing playing in front of those crowds and in amazing stadiums. I, I have to say it's pretty cool when you watch a match on TV and be like, I played there. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, they were just you know obviously India is such a passionate country for the cricket and also just to get experience that place as well and experience the culture. Obviously, playing in a World Cup and being in those countries is it's not really realistic. But I was lucky enough to stay on and travel for for three weeks after. So um, I went over to Calcutta and watched the uh, the West Indies win both of the women and men's final. So that was pretty cool. And then did a bit of travel after that. So. Um, yeah, yeah, you sprung that one on me. I'm sure there's many, many places. I mean, I've, play, I've played cricket in Qatar. That was pretty cool. Too. Wow. So, yeah, look, look, I'm very lucky. I, I'll stop saying it, but I am. Uh, has this whole delay in cricket, and who knows where we're going to be with international cricket over the course of the next 12 months, has it changed your goals for international playing of cricket or um, your, your hopes of what you'd like to get out of the game? Um, to be honest, at the minute, um, the ICC has only cancelled cricket, uh, international cricket, up until the end of June. And the 50-over World Cup qualifiers are due to start early July. So right now, nothing's changed for us. We're still planning um, as if our qualifiers are going ahead because that's what we have to do. So we have online sessions here weekly, and um, you know, tactical um, sessions with our analysts and our coach online um, strength conditioning sessions and we have our program to follow so at the minute it's not really I mean our, our goal is still to qualify for that 50 over World Cup and or to stay in the um, top 10 which would qualify us for the championship starting after the next 50 over World Cup um, so we're still quite focused on that albeit at the back of our minds we're like what's going on with the world but you know our, our realist, realist quickly uh, as cricketers that's what's next for us so and until that changes, our, our focus won't change. And it was interesting, actually, Natali Raj had, had an interview on, on Twitter the other day, and she was like, because oh, the ICC changed um, the, oh, any council games, basically the points were split for that. So India have now qualified for the World Cup automatically. And so she was like, oh, it's great. They know they didn't know how to prepare, and it's great. Their mind, they can put their minds at ease now that they've qualified. And they're like, yeah, except for all the teams that now have to go to those qualifiers. It is always tricky to prepare not actually by playing but I mean every single team in the world is going to be up against it so and um, it'll be a mental battle but we um, we're we're preparing as well as we can at the minute. Do you have an advantage by nature of the fact that I imagine the Irish cricket team is naturally a little bit more dispersed that maybe the lack of preparation that the bigger nations for want of a better term will have um, they'll, they'll have to adjust more than you? Potentially, I think, I mean, at this, for this one, we'd all be a home bar and um, Emma Richardson, she lives in New Zealand. I mean, our coach would definitely disagree with you because he'd <laughs> like us all there um, daily. 
But um, <laughs> I, I don't think, like, I think at this time of the year, it's just the way, actually, the time, the timing of, of the event. We would all be, our season would start kind of around now, late April, and we'd have a block of games. Like, we would have just come back from a, a tour to Thailand, so we'd be well set up. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think any, I think any, any team at this level going into such a big qualifying tournament would have, have a good level of preparation. So I don't think we'd have any, I, I, any advantage. I think potentially the only advantage we'd have to maybe, you know, obviously accessibility to the internet and stuff like that. I'm not sure how many of the teams around the world, um, you know, laptops, iPads, all that kind of stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, we are a privileged, you know, country in Ireland and being here in Australia as well is privileged as well. And there's many other cricketing nations who wouldn't have access to those kind of tools. So mm. in, in that aspect, we would be, we would be lucky, but or would have an advantage, but nothing, you know, the teams higher than us would all, all have access to that stuff, I would imagine. Eloise, how does an umpire improve his or her performance, their, their game when there's no cricket being played? How do you, how do you practice in the off season? Yes, yeah, so there's a number of different things. So definitely going back over laws and, and making sure all over, um, you know, laws and particularly unusual laws that you probably don't get to see in games too often. So going through those. Um, I've been doing a few sessions with my coaches as well around third umpire training um, and getting ready for that, for the wow. upcoming season. Um, and then definitely a lot of fitness work. So that's what I would be doing anyway in my off season. I'm trying to get as fit as possible. I think with travelling and things during the season, it's probably the first thing that drops off. Um, so trying to get my fitness back up. Um, Four-day matches, is that something you've experienced in the past? Yes. So I was lucky enough I did two second eleven games this season, um, so both here in Adelaide. Um, fantastic opportunity, but, yeah, definitely need to have good fitness levels for those for those games. Yeah, it's a, it's a mental fitness as well, I would imagine. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, you've got to be on from ball one, day one, uh, right up until the last ball on day four. So, yeah, definitely a mental challenge as well as that physical challenge. For both of you, uh, look, I imagine Mary, you're hopeful that you're going to be playing some cricket in July. What, what, what are your hopes? What, what would you, where would you like to be at the end of 2020 from the perspective that we can get all of this behind us? Um, yeah, it would be like I'd be like to have qualified for the World Cup and be right in the middle of prep for uh, for New Zealand. That'd be amazing. Um, realistically, though, looking at it all, I mean, I just. We'd love the world to go back to some sort of normality and and sort of flatten that curve around the world and just basically not have any more lives lost. I mean, realistically, I mean, obviously we're we're looking at sport because that's important to us, but I think there's a bigger issue facing the world at the minute, and that's a little bit more important. But yeah, I mean, if if everything just went back to normal in the next few months, we'd be looking for that World Cup qualification, and obviously, you know, getting back getting back to umpiring as well for me too. I am I do like it every now and again. <laughs> Eloise? Yeah, I'd agree with Mary. Obviously, there's there's bigger things going on in the world um, than what at the moment, but in an ideal world, um, you know, season would start on time, WBBL um, is something to look forward to, and then, you know, in an ideal world, I'd hopefully be preparing for a World Cup as well, um, you know, maybe getting to umpire Mary again. Yeah, that well, you've, you, I mean, umpires always win, don't they, Eloise? <laughs> That's true. I've got the final say. <laughs> uh, the, the two of you, uh, I know it's been an incredible time for you both. Uh, we hope that uh, the world is going to change for the better and that uh, we see both of you not only uh, umpiring together, but uh, umpiring and playing over the course of uh, the next uh, nine to 12 months. It's exactly what we want to see. And we appreciate both of your time today on Hooked on Sport. No trouble at all. Thanks, Sam. Thanks.
Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. So that wraps up episode nine of the Hooked on Sport podcast. I had a lot of fun chatting to Eloise and Mary. Maybe one day we'll see these two standing together in a first class or even a test match. Wouldn't that be something? As always, our gratitude to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation with support from Business SA and SA Health. We're at Hooked on Sport on Facebook. Get in contact, say hi, and share with us what your club is up to. Thank you to Ben Watson, who created and performed the musical intro to Hooked on Sport, and to the show's production team, Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. That is the finger raised on Episode 9. Be kind to one another, and we'll chat again soon at Hooked on Sport.